Welcome to the FPL Dons podcast, Extra Time. Uh, there's no, no game week to prepare for this week because of the international game. So we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to talk about more serious issues. We're going to talk about money. Not FPL money, <laughs> but like real money. And uh, today I have a special guest that's going to enlighten us, so to speak. He's an FPL manager. Yes, first yep. and foremost, he's a football manager aficionado. He's the <laughs> oldest Manchester United fan I know. He's a PhD candidate, and he's going to talk to us about finance, financial regulations, and football. The floor is yours, sir. Please introduce yourself. How do I introduce myself? Um, so I, I like finance, to be honest, and I've always loved football as well. So the nice. opportunity to combine both of them was um, something very interesting for me. Um, um, a lot of times, I mean, I've gone through all the phases of being a fan, you know, being very upset with my team, not winning and all that. <laughs> so it's something that I've gone through. But yeah, um, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that actually makes the 90 minutes that we watch um, interesting, right? And um, there's also the impact of what the 90 minutes actually does to future 90 minutes right so your success determines a lot as well as your failures you know so um yeah um i one of the things that i wanted to do was to understand some of those things because um i mean um um, my phd is around finance majorly so i'm trying to i'm getting a phd in um finance but i'm focusing on the football industry and i mean i've heard a lot of people say things like oh my days how can someone be researching football finance but yeah it's a really huge industry so when you just look at the sheer amounts that football brings into play when you start hearing that a club is earning about um, 800 million pounds in revenue it tells you that there's actually a lot of value there so yeah um, understanding the impact of finances or rather impact of football um, decisions on financial performance of clubs. So that's what I have, I'm currently researching. Um, yeah, as well as other um, financial regulations, not just football, in other industries. I research financial regulations in other industries as well. But yeah, that's a little around me. I'm a chartered accountant. I used to work in the big four. I'm currently doing my PhD. Hopefully I should finish in about a year and a half or so. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much who I am. And I aspire Whoa. to get into football fully right, after my PhD. In, impressive, interesting. That's a lot to unpack. Thank you for doing that. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to, like, push all that stuff you said aside, but this is a fantasy football podcast, so we need to start talking about fantasy football first. Yeah. Just just a little bit. How's your season going? So, um, I'll say... <laughs> So I think this is last season was the first time that I actually completed the whole season, right? So what I mean by completed the whole season, like to actually start and make and pick your team, yeah, pick my team and follow through. And so I think there were about two weeks where I didn't pick my team, only about two weeks. Um, so um, yeah, that's one. And secondly, um, this year I think I've only missed out on picking my teams. Yeah, I think once. 
but I've been a bit more consistent, right, than other years. But I'll put a disclaimer out there. I'm very, very <laughs> I play I play fantasy football with a lot of sentiment, you know. And of course, once you start playing fantasy football with sentiment, you know, there's a limit to what you can achieve, right? But I mean, even with my sentiment, I'm still, You're still doing I'm still doing quite well, to be honest. Um I, I yeah. never have Salah, Mani, all those guys. <laughs> I mean, no, or Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. No, no, I never do that. Never, never. Yeah, I think we spoke about that once and you know, I was like, Yeah, that's not going to actually help because I mean, yeah, you can't have them 24-7, but when they are at the peak of their powers, you need them in your squad. And yeah, but the thing is, there's this guy, I think he won the fantasy, the whole thing, like a couple of years back. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's an Everton fan and he never had Liverpool players in his team. Wow. And he won the thing, yeah. But I guess, I don't think it was the Salah time. It was club time, but it wasn't Salah time where Liverpool players were doing. But that's still impressive to not have a total... You know, like, not have someone in your team that is this thing, that it's, you know, like, scoring points and just, like, totally just forget about them and just... So, okay. I mean, yeah. But I still see you. I still see you in, like, ranks. I don't have to go deep down, like, before. I'm like, oh, yeah, but I did not pick his team this week or whatever. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I still see you. So, that's good. Hopefully, you're more into this. And you listen to the podcast, and if you're trying to pick your team, and we help you out and all yeah. that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is, uh, yeah, I was good. Uh, next season, I'm going to put, play with less, um, less, um, sentiment, le- less sentiment to be honest. Um, I, I, okay. I, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that next season, but this season, like, I, I literally, um, do, I play with the, the sentiment is too much, like, <laughs> like, so for example, I always have to have three United players, I'm a United fan, I always have to have three, United yeah, players. I, um. <laughs> I never have any. I never have any city players or man. Okay, but actually, I think this season I had stones yeah. at some point in time. I had stones yes. at some point in time. I've never had any local player. Nah, I don't do that man. Like I didn't do that. But but yeah, yeah. And next season, Hopefully, I'm definitely yeah. going to be. De- next season, I'm definitely going to play without set sentiment. I'll have two accounts. Maybe that's what I'll do next season. I'll have two <laughs> accounts. One for yeah, that's I guess. One. One yeah. for uh, without sentiment. I'm hopefully I would I would win um gliders league maybe next year. So let's Ooh, see. bold bold <laughs> claim, bold claim. You're coming for my crown. But yeah, ah, uh, good luck, I would say. Uh but it's like because for me, uh, the sentiment thing is even with me that I play it like without sentiment, I still have like I'm never going to Captain Kane versus Arsenal. Like stuff like that, you know. I I will never do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean there's but, this guy. There's this guy, you know Kenna, like on Twitter. He always, yeah, he always a joke. He's always saying that how can you hate um, Bruno Fernandez and still go and captain him? <laughs> yeah, I think I see. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see the tweet, I'm like, yep, he's talking about me. Because I see Bruno and I want to talk I want to talk so much stuff about my you. But then Bruno Fernandez is my captain in fantasy, so you can't even dispute that. But the thing yeah. is I think the difference is there's as an FPL manager, you're a, there's what there's expectation, I, I guess hope and what you think will happen. And, you know, like, what you think will happen is what you use, you put in your fantasy. You think this guy is going to score points, you put it. Then, obviously, as a fan, it's not what you think will happen. There's obviously what you think will happen that goes with it, but there's still hope that your team does good. So, you're not really, you're not picking a player, picking a team. I think that would be the difference. But, uh, that's, I mean, I'm, I want you to play next season because I want, I want us, I want to talk I want to talk shit about your team, basically. So yeah, that's why that's the, and that's the whole thing about it. Yeah, because yeah. 
me and other people, that's what we tend to do. But yeah, enough about fantasy football and stuff. Casual, I mean, yeah, casual player with sentiments, probably different from me. So let's see how that, you know, aligns later in the season. Um, yeah. What are you currently working on? Okay, so um, I literally just finished the paper on um, the effects of financial fair play, and that's the regulation that UEFA introduced in 2011, the effects of financial fair play on the financial performance of clubs in Europe, right? And the okay, case can I ask you a question before we... Yes, please, yes, yes, yes. What, like, what, I, I, watch, I watch football and I know, what, I, I kind of have an idea what financial fair play is and stuff, but like, to... To like the general public, what is financial fair play in football? Like, what is so what's the regulation? Play, yeah, so financial fair play is a regulation that was introduced in 2011, right? To okay. try to solve the problem. So, what was the problem? The problem was clubs were overspending, right? And as Big clubs boys, were overspending, yeah. um, their financial performance was deteriorating. So, what that means is that they were making a lot of losses, financial losses, as well as um, a lot of them were having a lot of debts, right? They were owing a lot of people money. And of course, we know in the in the general business world, once you're making consistent losses as well as you're yeah. owing a lot of people, um, what usually happens is that you go into administration or you go you get liquidated, right? But mm-hmm. that wasn't happening in football, right? And there are reasons for why it wasn't happening, but I won't go into some of the boring details. But because <laughs> of that, um, um, because of what happened, um, UEFA came together and introduced um, um, a set of regulations to prevent or rather to help clubs to become a bit more financial, so financially sustainable. So what they did was to um, come up with something called the break-even measure. So the break-even measure, the break-even requirements, right? Um, um, or the break-even measure required clubs to not spend beyond what they earn, right? So the question is, or rather, I'm sure the first question would be like, duh, they shouldn't have been spending what they're not earning. But that's what actually what was happening. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why it was happening was because they were using a lot of loans from rich owners as well as from banks. So they would overspend. So their 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 revenue was always less than their expenses every single year. And, and what they used good. to do that, yeah, and it's not good. And what they used to do that was to borrow money from banks as well as other um, providers of finance. And um, I mean, it was all good and fine, but you started seeing cases like the Leeds United case um, Deportivo, La Coronia, Parma. I think it had it. one that came. That anytime people talk about debt, I think Portsmouth. I don't know what exactly happened. Exactly, to them. exactly. That's another yeah. one. Portsmouth happened also in 2010. 2010, yes, 2010. I think it was yeah. 2010 that happened. So, um, some of these clubs, even though they had been doing it over the years, they had borrowed money and all. Sometimes the creditors might literally just come out and say, you know what, I don't care, I need my money. And, um, <laughs> Obviously. When that happens, clubs tend to disappear but the honest truth is that over the years of of football's existence right um very few clubs have actually disappeared very very few even though a lot yeah. of them have been loss making and the reason is because of we are fans right we would definitely <laughs> um, pay extra money right so um clubs yeah. um were, were using that loyalty right in order to um, get finance so for example there's something called the rat race phenomenon the rat race phenomenon is that everybody is trying to win but not everybody would win. And since not, not everybody would win, and the only way to guarantee you have a better chance at winning, right, is to put in more effort, right? So that's mm-hmm. what's called the rat race. So you put in more effort to get more cheese, but the cheese is limited, and only one person gets the cheese. What that means is that you put in a Man lot city. of effort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you put in a lot of effort to try and get the cheese. You don't get it. Next year, 
you have to put in more effort again to try and get the cheese, right? But the thing is, the person that gets the cheese, right, gets a bit more healthier because now they're a bit stronger. And you that didn't get yeah. the cheese, you have to put in much more effort next more, year. More, yeah, to yeah, get so the cheese again. That dilemma, Same cheese though, yeah. Exactly. That dilemma, right, is what has led to financial um, failure. Or let me say financial failure, because that's not the right term. Led to a, a, a situation where UEFA believed that the um, and football clubs were heading to a place where there was going to be financial distress, right? And then again, there's also the angle of beneficial. I'm sorry, and rich owners. So the likes of Roman Abramovich, Man City, also, you know, where they had rich owners that literally came, pumped in a lot of money, spent their way to titles, you know. So those are some of the reasons yep. why these regulations were brought in. And even though when UEFA introduced this regulation, they did not even say anything about competitive balance. Like what I mean by competitive balance is or creating a situation where it's a bit more equal. But the name financial fair play kind of implies it because the objective yeah. does not say, oh, it should be fair and no. But the name actually kind of implies it. So um, there's been a lot of um, um, thought as to whether, first and foremost, whether it is fair. So people are talking about whether it's fair, but I'm not even looking at about whether, whether it's fair. If the objective was to improve financial performance, let's see, uh, let's test whether it has improved financial performance. So that's what um, the paper that I just worked on um, was looking at to see whether the objective, the financial objective, whether financial fair play has achieved that objective. So that was um, what I um, tried to find out. And I looked at the English Premier League. That was my um, case study. And I looked at the finances over um, 16 years. So between 2005 to 2019, and I won't go into all the details of all the models that I had to develop to do yeah. that. But um, um, the conclusion, or rather the, my working conclusion is that financial failure has actually improved the financial performance. And there are reasons for it. There's a lot more deeper, right? Um, reason as mm-hmm. to why it has happened. And, uh, but I won't bore you with some of those details. <laughs> I um, mean, I'm sure they're interesting in some way. Yeah, you know? they are. They are. They are. But yeah, it, it's... So I'll give an example. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, I presented it at the conference last year. Um, oh, that's in, nice. Yeah, I think in, in October, and there's actually a video of it on on YouTube, so you can always check it oh, out okay. if you want more details. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will post it when I'm posting the podcast and yeah. stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though a lot has changed after then, not not yeah, fundamentally COVID. changing, not fundamentally changing the results. The results are still the same, but. Um, due to some of the comments that I got, I tried a few other things, which has made the paper a bit more better now. I'm actually even looking to um, go into another conference to present um, the deadline for the submission of the abstract is today. So I'm working on that and I'm oh, looking nice. to post it into a journal, an academic journal for it to be published. But yeah, that's what I've been working on currently. Of course, I have paper two and three that... Um, so paper two is going to be around the financial impact of COVID-19 on um financial performance of clubs because we know that because of covid yeah um, and teams are, are, are receiving less revenue so we're trying to quantify it and to see um and also there'll be some form of um interrelation with um uh, financial fair play and covid19 but yeah that's um the, the paper i'm currently working on and that's going to be my second paper but yeah yeah can you since yeah covid19 is like the clear and present danger so to speak and so can you talk about like what is there anything you've found out since you're currently working on it? Is there anything that we should know or anything that's come about your current research with COVID-19? Because, you know, everybody's seen empty stadiums, no ticket sales. You know, I think Premier League, the one I know about was they had to change, like, the scheduling of TV games, the, the timing. They had to slot everyone. They, they tried their best, at least, to get everyone to have at least only the team that will play. So there's no... I know 
three o'clock fixtures anymore that they're jam packed the lunch time and stuff. So they spread. I think that was kind of a way to get money from TV instead of losing. So like, what's going on with that? Like, what's the impact? Is it is it huge? Is it small? Is it something we should worry about going into the future, or is it something that needs to be fixed right right now? Yeah, it's a, it's. I mean, it's huge. And the fact one of the reasons why it is even huge is because when even I mean. It, it, it kind of stems from even my second and uh, my first research around financial fair yeah, play. So, um, yeah. The reason why it kind of stems is this. Uh, when financial fair play was introduced, right? Um, yeah. Around one of the, um, the findings of my first research was around that a lot of football clubs, right? Even though their finances have kind of gotten better, but their behavior yeah. had changed. <laughs> gotten <right>? worse. <laughs> no, no, it has changed in a way. So clubs found it very smart way, right? Of doing things. So a lot of them pay for transfers using um, installments, right? So rather than paying for everything now, they're using installments. <laughs> Nicolas what that Pepe. Means, <laughs> Nicolas Pepe, exactly. What that means <laughs> is that they're owing a, a lot more in the shorter term as opposed to before in yeah. the long term. So you remember I said that they used to borrow money from the owners, right? And pay yeah. outright more, meaning they're just owing the owners. But because yeah. financial fair play has asked them to not do that again or to only use what they have, so they break it into payments, right? Into future payments. It means that their short-term debt, you know, money borrowed from your owners is long-term, right? Yeah. They're owing them long-term. It's more than one year. But when you're owing a club money for transfers, it's usually between one to two years, right? It means that your short-term debt, and don't forget, your when you're owing another club, it's different from when you're owing your owner. Your owner can forgive and say, okay, I'll take the money back in five years or something, right? But when you're owing another club, you have to pay um, within that time period. Now, what that has done is that their short-term debts have increased. And one of the conclusions that I even got, even before COVID even became a huge deal, was that a lot of clubs are a bit more susceptible to financial distress because they have to pay back money very soon i didn't know that i get the point i'm making like right? as opposed to, long term like you as said, opposed to, to long term exactly yeah. so that in itself from that my first research right kind of explains why covid19 is an issue because now that they have lost um match day revenue and match day revenue on average accounts for about 16 percent of total revenue of clubs right and that has completely yeah. wiped out literally zero wiped out. Zero yeah. now, right? So for some clubs, it's up, it's as high as twenty five percent. For I think for Arsenal, it's as high as twenty five percent. For Manchester, yeah, because their tickets are so exp- expensive. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. For Manchester United, I think it's about sixteen percent, right? So it depends. It differs um, um, with clubs. But the point is this: if your match day revenue is being wiped out because of COVID nineteen, and you are having to pay players the same wages because. Mm-hmm, Nothing is changing because your club and the, the, the contracts for most players, right? It's usually three, four, five years, right? And a lot of clubs, didn't, a lot of players didn't want to um, um, take um, pay cuts. I, I mean, we know what happened with Mesut Ozil and when he <laughs> yep. But you can understand why a player would say that. Yeah. But then again, Definitely. there's a web. It affects everybody differently. Now, if you notice last season, I think last season, even though the transfer fee was still, or total transfer fee in the world was still almost around the same level, it affected different clubs differently. If you notice, Manchester United didn't spend as much as they would have wanted to. Liverpool didn't spend as much as they would have wanted to. Um, I think the only clubs that really spent and was, was Chelsea, and we know why. Because Chelsea had yeah. a transfer ban for about two transfer windows. So they had they hadn't used money any money, yeah. They had, they had a lot of money, don't they? As well as the fact they sold Hazard for 100 and something million, right? So they had a huge kitty. Now, you look at other clubs with the, I mean, Man City, even though they spent a bit, but compared to the, the previous levels, there, a lot of people did not sell. And that's one effect of COVID-19. 
The second effect is that a lot of clubs could not even sell. So on a normal day, you'd have expected United to even sell a few players to get probably like 30, 40 million. But they couldn't because smaller teams no one is buying afford anything. Yeah. So yeah. the likes of Manchester United could still buy a bit. Arsenal could still buy a bit, but they would have been able to buy more if there was a lot of fluidity in the market. Yeah. But because of um, COVID-19, and nobody really knew what was going to happen in the future. So I remember then I said that we'd only find out the true effects of, um, or rather the true impacts of COVID-19 around January if fans have not been allowed. And we're, I mean, we're literally here in March. March. So we're actually going to have a whole season where um, fans were not, when um, have not been allowed. Manchester United has literally lost about, from my calculation, about 140 million in match day revenue that has been lost wow. because the fans are not coming in, you know? So that, of course, impacts the ability to sign. Now, the, 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 the only good thing is this. A lot of clubs in England have taken the, the commercial side of their business very serious. So Manchester United's commercial revenue is about 280 million, right? As opposed to a few years ago, it has almost doubled from just a few years ago. That was four sides from Manchester United. I, I mean, Manchester mm. United has the huge, has the highest um, commercial revenue of any club. Yeah, they're right? a global brand. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Liverpool has kind of come up. It's about 188 million for Liverpool now. Uh, even though, I mean, in, uh, over the past two, three years, it, uh, it has almost doubled, right? Because, of, of course, they're winning on the field. Clubs yeah. like Arsenal, Chelsea, um, um, yeah, Tottenham have not really done as much. Uh, even though they're London clubs, you'd expect because of foot traffic in London, you yeah. expect that they're, they will have used their brand to get a bit more, but they haven't. So, one of the impacts is clubs that have historically had um, a shift in terms of their commercial revenue have become a bit better this time around. And I think going forward, we're going to see that. We're going to see a lot of clubs moving away because who knows what is going to happen in the future. If you don't have as much commercial revenue, you're going to suffer, to be honest. So that's one of the things that we've found um, in terms of um, COVID-19. As well as I'm, I'm still working on it, but there's something around their debt levels, right? And Okay. Um, the indicators around their cash flows and all that. I'm still waiting because not all clubs have released their 2020 financial statements. Um, I'm waiting for them to release that. I mean, Arsenal just released theirs last week. Liverpool has and Man City has and Man City releases theirs in June. So that's, I think, the latest. So I should be having initial um, um, results around probably June, July. There are about once all the, I have all the financial statements. But yeah. Oh, yeah. That's okay. what I'm looking at forward to. Yeah, we're looking forward to where you find out all that stuff. Yeah. And maybe, hopefully, you'll come back and tell us yeah. all, all about that. But, yeah, it's interesting to see, like... Yeah, then again, I, sorry, there's another thing I'm working yeah. on, which is not academic. So, you know, okay. the way every transfer window, fans are always like, yes, we're going to spend 300 million, 500 billion, you know, and all those funny <laughs> yes, things. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we want our team to get better, which it, yeah. it makes a lot of sense, right? But I'm like, why has Arsenal not bought Mbappe already? Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So one of the things I'm working on is to come up with a model. I'm trying to design them. This has nothing to do with my page. This is just for my interest yep. in seeing the things that happen on, on, on social media. Now, I want to come up with a tool that would forecast okay how much a club can spend. So, I mean, there's a lot that I'm going to be putting into into it to develop. I've already started working on it and um, it's going to be the most, rea- in my mind, the, the <laughs> most realistic thing that people should think about. So, for example, in terms of wages when thinking, as, well yeah. as, as transfer fees. So, I mean, I might come up with, for example, maybe Arsenal's budget might be 80 million only, right? Net. Yeah. So, what I mean by 80 million, based that's without sales. So, I'm yeah. going to work without sales, right? I'm literally mm-hmm. saying, 
without sales, how much can your club realistically spend, right? And which are, then, then they can, I mean, fans can then work it out. So, for example, saying, oh, we have Maitland Niles, we don't really need him and all that, or we need, we don't need this player, we can get rid of him and X, um, you know, add XYZ. So, I'm going to put all that into perspective and come up with um, something that is a bit realistic. And then I would also look at, there's, there's, there's something I've been trying to model, like the, um, what's it called, the, the um, how to capture the need of a club. So, for example, if Manchester United finishes second, you know, that will obviously affect the way they go in the market because they'll think about it to say, oh, we're second. What that means is that if we spend a bit more money than we plan to, we might be able to become first. So I'm trying to first, model yeah. that. That's something that I'm trying to model as well as, for example, if Arsenal does not qualify for Europe, what are they going oh. to do in that situation? You know, so I'm trying to model that and um, I'm looking at the historical finances and as well as, um, it's, it's, it's a bit crazy, right? But I'm trying to model that to come up with something and I should be done with it um, by w- once we have the final positions in the league as oh, well this, as the final. Okay, so me? Yes. Hopefully I should come up with it just before the crazy um, transfer period should, should start. Not, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what yeah, that, That's... That's very interesting. Like, that's something that's realistic because fans are, you know, generally not realistic. You're like, because you know, as an Arsenal fan, you know, I'm just like, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? And stuff like that. So if you can, but there's some, if you bring something like that, I mean, obviously I'm putting it out there for people to see like, okay, this is what you should expect from your team. Like, don't, don't wake up and say, oh, let's buy Ellen Haaland or let's, you know, <laughs> Let's buy Mbappe and all that stuff. Okay, let's see what my what what what's my team currently going through to see if they can afford Ellen Haaland or they can afford Mbappe or maybe we'll just settle for Divock Origi and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. that's really interesting. Uh, there are rumors today. Speaking you just told us what um, FFP and stuff like that, and there are rumors that came across that we came across today that it might be scrapped and might be replaced with another system of control or something. Do you know anything about that or anything that's going on with what's... Yeah, so I remember meeting with someone last year, I don't know, a few years ago, who was a CEO of the Champions League winner, previous Champions League winner. I would not mention the right? Okay. He was the CEO. I went for a conference and I met him. We were just having conversation. I I mean, of course, I went to him to ask. And this was just when I was about to start my PM, when when I just started my PhD and I asked him what, what his thoughts were on FFP. And he said, in a very funny manner, he was like, see financial FFP, yeah, it might be good and all, but how can you actually control some of these big clubs? That these big clubs are bigger than anything you can imagine. So a lot of them yeah. look at financial fair play. Yeah, even though it's there, they kind of try to follow it, but they don't really care in a, in a way. Even though they follow it, they actually do follow it. That's the honest truth, right? They do mm-hmm. their best to follow it. But the point is that there's been, I mean, that's why we have seen a lot of threats around. Oh, we're going to want to create a super league. It's all in mm-hmm. a way to say you cannot tell us how to spend our money, kind our of, money. right? Because it's yeah, our but, money. I mean, as long as it's still a law, a lot of clubs are following it, right? So um, I'm not shocked to hear that there's a possibility of it being scrapped. But when we look at it, why was it even introduced? It was introduced yeah. because of financial problems in clubs. So the question is, has it actually improved? financial performance and i think that's why i mean i was talking with someone today and i'm like oh yeah this is why i think my research makes a bit of sense because once we see whether it actually um benefited clubs in general what would taking it away do that's one if we're taking it away and i think what what i saw is that um, um, they're trying to replace it with something that gives clubs a bit more leeway right and in my mind i'm like i don't think clubs need a bit more leeway to be honest i think they need a bit more control in a way because yeah. the honest truth is remember going back to that rat race syndrome clubs would always yeah. overspend there's nothing you can do Trying so to get more to, 
exactly. If you're going to reduce the kind of controls, I, I mean, I would love to see what, what it looks like, right? And whether it actually helps clubs. I mean, we've had financial fair play for over 10 years now, right? Which is not bad, you know? So if you're, if you're going to bring up something else, I mean, it would be interesting to see what it is. And one of my, one of my recommendations was to um, get clubs to actually uh, come up with a fund, right? So... Um, and I think that that's something that would have helped their liabilities and the amount they owe to people to come up with the fund that um, clubs have to, for example, if you make a profit of, or you make total revenue of 500 million, right? 10% should be put into a fund that you cannot touch oh, okay. in, the first, in, the, in, the, in the first three years. So you can only touch that money after three years, something like that. That's what I was trying to think about because that would help clubs. Because the honest truth is like, I, I see it this way. I feel like clubs are addicted to success. And we know what addictions <laughs> addictions do to people, right? So it's a way of yep. trying to help them, you know, to win them out of that bad behavior, right? But, I mean, <laughs> it would be lovely to see what um, um, UEFA does. But honestly, if they're going to open it up, we're going to see more money coming into football. And we're going to see more um, crazy um, transfer fees as well as wages. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, as a fan, honestly, forget as a researcher, as a fan, that's what we want. We know more, more money. Yeah, we want more, to see the, yeah. More competition, yeah. But let's see. Let's see. It's been nice, it's been nice to yeah. see what happens. But cool. I've only heard it from one person. I haven't seen it from a few other people. And I'm waiting to hear what they have to say. I mean, like the athletic. I know they are more credible. I haven't heard anything. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. yeah. I usually, yeah, usually wait for the athletic and stuff. Yeah. And something you said about as fans, because I remember like when Ronaldo transferred from Manchester United to Real Madrid, it was a whole thing. And I think Twitter was now a big thing then where people would see it immediately. You had to wait for Sky Sports News and around the top of the hour or whatever. So when it happens, like people were going on the internet, Googling Ronaldo and stuff like that. So yeah, now obviously it's like, one second it has happened and everyone sees it. So, but still, yeah. we still and en- we still enjoy we still enjoy seeing those huge amounts of money going for people. Like I was geeked out when we signed Pepe for seventy two million. Obviously, <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I'm not as geeked out now. But yeah, it's all it's all that. So yeah, as a fan, it's good to see. But you know, like you're saying, with more common sense researching, you need to know like you know what's the impact and what's the effect. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's good to know that. Okay, someone that is a fan is you know looking through the back door to see why these things are happening because me yeah. i don't really care i i want us not to buy mbappe and Haaland, and yep. i don't want to know <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to know how they achieved it i don't want to know how they are paying i just want what's best for my team but yeah, yeah it's it's a fun conversation to have uh speaking of being a fan and all that let me i think we'll just talk about manu since you're like the biggest I know you have some opinions. So I am going to ask you, are you are you pro Ole or are you anti Ole? Where what side? Because I feel like Ole Golden Social divides opinion amongst Manchester United fans and stuff. Like where do you sit? Do you want him or do you not want him? Uh, I think my my, my stance has always been I really don't care much about any manager or any player. In fact, right? My allegiance yeah. is to the club because managers go and come, right? And players go and come. What I really care about is the um, um, the performance on the pitch and and all that. I think when I look back at Oli, I just look at um, okay. I think um, the argument goes in so many ways, right? So there's the historical argument as well as the futuristic argument. I always say, let's even really understand 
the let's define certain things. So if you're going to define the success of a manager based on trophies, right? Of course, it's very clear that Social <laughs> only has, yeah, yeah. He has he's, he's nothing as as of now. Yeah, and right? he talked about today. it. Now he said his trophies are about egos and all that stuff. But well, I, mean, well, I don't agree with him. I don't agree. With him yeah, in that I don't because, think he agrees with himself. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's also the way of defending. But the honest yeah. thing is that um, trophies matter. That's the, there's nothing you can say trophies actually matter because yeah. that's a measure it's a measure of success the other measure of success might be okay are we trying to build something that will make us more sustainable in the future right that, that, that different, that's why we say that when we have the conversation we need to really delineate everything in terms of um, 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 success on the field in terms of trophies it's very clear he hasn't done as well as others in the time period he's been at the club but then again, when you look at it as in terms of progress of the whole of the club as a whole, right? If you are someone who looks at everything holistically, you realize that there's a lot of things that have changed. So, for example, you hear players being a bit more um, happy now, you know. And but guess what? Happiness yeah. does not tr- translate to trophies, right? <laughs> For me, it doesn't. So, at the end of the day, you always have to remember it's trophies. But you can see a lot of things happening in the background. I always say, look at the youth recruitment, right? Under Oli compared to any other coach that has been at the um, helm at United. When you look at that, and when you also look at the fact that Manchester United is a historic club that deals in youth, they love youth, anything, that's the story. That's the love story, right? Youth recruitment yep. and all that. Now, he has gone back there. And let's not forget, when um, the previous manager, who I don't name, I don't name his name anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. The when, one who shall not be named. Yes, the one who shall not be named. And when he was there, right? Or when he was sacked, rather, when Jose was sacked, the club was very clear. We're trying to get the right fit that fits the culture of the club, or rather the culture they are trying to create for the club, right? Which is why when he came, he came in as a caretaker and afterwards yeah. he was given the job. Now, after he was given the job, the club was very clear. We want a cultural reset. We're trying to get our club to where it used to be before because that's what made us successful. So mm-hmm. when you look at it in that regard, the question has the question can then be has he been successful in doing that of course in terms of the youth, yeah, youth setup, that's yeah. one in terms of the types of players that united is buying you know they're buying players that want to be there for a longer term you know that's one one thing so in that regard he has been a success now when you look at his performance month on month right or year on year last season united was a bit poor this season they have, i think in my mind at least as of now when you compare what they have <laughs> done this time last year with this time this year it's very clear right united is 12 points ahead of where they were i think it was in 12 points or nine points i can't remember ahead of where we were last season in terms of goal scored united has never scored as much goals they have since and post ferguson as much as they have now so in that regard you can see that there's been some form of progress but at the end of the day as latin said you might be better but if you don't win trophies it doesn't really matter so i think yep. trophies are very very important do i think only is the person to bring United trophies. Only the future can tell, to be honest. He's still in the Europa. Let's see what happens. I always say, I don't do futuristic. You can. I just mm. look at the historical thing. I look at today, and I'm like, I can make it f- some form of prediction. But the truth is, it's very difficult. There's so many moving parts. Can he next season come and challenge for the league? I don't know. It's, pos- it's literally possible. But I would say, <laughs> if he's no. been successful based on the criteria that the club has given him, it's very clear. Now, of course, when we drill down to fans, are you happy with it? Every different fan would have a different opinion. Yeah, that's where it comes. Yeah. And which is fine. So, which is why you see me, I hardly ever go. I don't even discuss these things. <laughs> it's fine. You can have your opinion. Yeah. Keep it, right? If your opinion is yeah. that um, um, Jose won three trophies at this time last year, um, um, Ole hasn't, that's fine, right? That's, and, and it's valid and it's a fact. 
But the point is, yeah. you cannot be um, arguing oranges and apples. So for me, and that's I think what Twitter that, like tends to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but I think that he he is definitely um, he knows that if he signs the new contract, it's very clear. You have gotten the club to a good pro- um, progress. If you don't win a title, of course you get sacked. It's very it's literally very clear. You know, United will definitely sack him if they think he's not reaching um, the, the target. But as I'm saying again, the target initially was to reset the club, and that he has done. Yes, now no, once, yeah, he signs, yeah. once he signs once he signs his new contract, guess what? That is a different it's, target it's, for him. It's, it's a like, new okay. target. It's a new target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I mean, so you're pro Manchester United, not yeah. Not I don't care about okay. Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't care that, about Oye. I don't care about Pogba. I don't care about Marcel. What I mean by I don't care about them is like I'm not a stand for any of them. I'm a stand for Manchester yeah. United. To be honest, like yeah. uh, as long as they're doing good for the team, you don't really yeah. You don't really yeah. care. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I I feel you. I understand where that's coming from because a lot of people is like oh yeah no matter what because it, it it's like you come and let's say okay all only went to uh city beat them two nil and every the pro only guys who come and come at the anti only guys like look he has won this thing and blah 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 and blah blah only has a bad performance they come back and there's no it's like no one's really like yeah and it's funny that you, you mentioned that jury do you know why so after the game against leicester which manchester united deserve to lose Honestly, yeah. they should have won that game. Like, what I mean, they should have won it. We should have gone into that game wanting to win it, right? However, we yeah. didn't win the game. We, we were beaten. We are outclassed on that pitch. There's no doubt. Now, and I saw Monday on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And if you see the deep analysis, right, <laughs> on how bad Manchester United was. I also a huge reporter saying that um, that, that victory shows everything that is wrong at Manchester United. That how can a lesser that has less um, be- less better players beat Manchester United? And I'm like, valid point. But I'm like, I didn't see all this analysis when Manchester United with less better players beat Man City. Beats Manchester City. Yeah, so, and I'm so like, it's, that's it's I'm very saying. clear, right? So it's a case of why don't we just keep it a bit um, um, logically consistent? But it's fine. Like, it's okay to be... To, to 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 really not like him and to call on, on call him out on every single thing, which is fine, right? It's okay. But for me, it's a case of 28 games after losing out in the in Champions League. United has lost only three games, right? 28 games after, or rather, into and 29 games into the season, United is season. sitting second. United yep. is still in the Europa. It depends on how you look at it, right? You can literally say half empty, half full. It depends, you know. Yeah. But for me, it's very clear. I want a title this season. He should be winning a title, um, um, a cup this season, honestly. But if he doesn't, yeah. it's what it is. And he's and the funny thing when people say Ole should go, and I'm like, guys, he's not going anywhere. I think for me, he's actually not going anywhere, you know. So he's it's not, not to see how things can get better. Yeah, because like like you said, I think he's he has done what they set set him out to do this first. You know, when he signs an hour contract, there'll be a different view. Like, okay, now, mm-hmm. okay, we set change the cultural setting and everything, and you have reset uh, all that stuff for for us. So you know now go out and win by all means. And I'm sure they will provide, you know, finances and all that stuff for him to go there and do. But yes, fun to see. There's people that, like, oh, he gets so much this thing, so much stick from the people that do not like him. And I sometimes the praise goes too much for him from people that like yeah. him. So that's like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's that's all good and all things. All nice. I always say that football is another avenue to understand the irrationality of human beings. I think the number one, <laughs> no, 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 the, no, the number, no, the, the number one place where irrationality shows shows itself is actually in the capital markets, the stock market, right? Mm-hmm. I would say the second one is in, is on the football field. You see the most irrational things, but yeah. Um, I'm 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 proud to say that I, I I have historically been irrational in football, but I'm tending towards being a bit more 
rational. So praising when you need to praise and, and um, um, what do you call it? Um, criticizing when you need to criticize. I'm trying every day, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for, you know, for everything. For I just want to ask you one question. What's your favorite Manchester United kit? Kit? Yes. What year? Ooh. I know, I know. I just, I dropped down on you. Yeah, I would say, I would say, I think it's my first ever one. The Vodafone, um, yeah, was that my first one? But I think the Vodafone one, the the, the Ronaldo's first Vodafone. season. Yeah, I think so. I like that one. I really With the black, that one. black something yes. on the. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I like that. I like that one yeah. too. And yeah. I, th- I think the first AIG one, it was it, it didn't have, it didn't look like a Manchester United jersey. The I white like one. White. Right? Yeah, yeah, the white one yeah. with the black this thing. So yeah, yeah, those were pretty good. Okay, I just wanted to you know find out you know on let's yeah. you know kind of end on a softer notes. Yeah. But thank yeah, thank you for coming, and yeah. hope I'll see you again. I think there's a, there's, and, there's a question, right? Yeah, I think I, I can see a question. Can you see a question? Let me play it. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah, play it, please, because my phone is okay. down. Okay, so yeah. I think they need. A world class number nine. I think they need Haaland or backup guy. Okay, go oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, because I've gotten into that, but it's fine. Um, definitely, I'm pro. Get a striker. I need a striker, but yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah, just my phone was down and I was not looking okay. stuff. But yeah, that's okay. that was a good. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Uh, if there are no other questions, then I think we'll just, you know, call it. Is that the only question you have for me? I thought you were going to ask me who my favorite United player is now. Or favorite <laughs> now. Well, but yeah, we have gone over time and stuff. But yeah, yeah, we'll yeah it's fine. Don't mind me. I'm that. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah, plans to ask that, but we went deep into COVID and all yeah. that, man. You are yeah. went so over time, time, and we don't want. Well, yeah, definitely some other time. We don't want to bore the listeners too yeah, long yeah, i think we've yeah. gone too much so yeah, yeah. all i could say is thank you for coming good luck with your fpl season this one thank and you. your project of two teams next yes. year and yes. keep listening to the podcast if you need anything Definitely. and yeah thank you uh all and right. we'll see you again and all thank right, you then. listeners for listening like yeah. and subscribe give us five thousand apple podcasts or whatever it is to help the channel grow so yeah Good night. Good good morning, I guess. Good morning, morning afternoon, or evening, wherever they are. Yeah, wherever you are, whenever you're All right. listening. All right. Have a nice day. Thanks. Bye. Bye.